You're listening to Fitz and Harry, the podcast. From Studio One at the worldwide headquarters of ESPN and from Studio HD in Atlanta, Georgia, this is Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. The NFL head coaching cycle of hiring is complete. Five new coaches, none of them named Eric Bieniemy, and changes are being considered to the coaching hiring process that could change the way everybody does business moving forward. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app at Sirius XM Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, we're presented by Progressive Insurance. Now, most of you at this point know the 2023 head coaches that were hired. Only five of them, a smaller uh, sample size than we're used to. But the Broncos hired Sean Payton. The Cardinals hired Jonathan Gannon, formerly the defensive coordinator of the Philadelphia Eagles. The Colts hired Shane Steichen formerly the offensive coordinator of the Philadelphia Eagles. The Panthers hired Frank Reich, formerly the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts, fired during the season. And the Texans hired D'Amico Ryans, the former 49ers defensive coordinator. All of that does not include the name Eric Bieniemy, And this is what Ryan Clark tweeted about him. He tweeted, quote, sounds good. Be a losing coordinator in the Super Bowl and be a head coach in two days. Congrats, Gannon and Steichen. Go to five AFC chips, three Super Bowls, win two rings, and hope for a lateral move to prove yourself all over again. Get blank on again, be enemy. Not sure what dude did, but dot, dot, dot. There is a very real conversation happening around Eric B. Enemy. That's a difficult one, Harry, because we don't necessarily have all the information. But it is simple to look at it every year and say, why does a guy with this level of success continually not get hired? Well, that's that's the question that we all want to know. Like, and we don't know what's going on behind the clo- uh, closed doors when he's in these interviews, but we do know he's he's had multiple interviews, right, year in and year out. And I do feel like I will say this: I don't think a guy like Eric Bieniemy, uh, for for his credentials and what he's been able to do with the Kansas City Chiefs, should have to go to another team, become an offensive coordinator, and show what he can do. As an individual, they didn't ask Matt Nagy to do that. They didn't ask Doug Peterson to do that before they got hired with the, with, with the Chicago Bears and the Philadelphia Eagles. So why would they ask Eric Bieniemy to do that? And I understand he may have some things that, that transpired only early on when he was at Colorado when he was a little younger. I understand that. But still, um, we have other guys that, got, that have gotten hired who've done some things in their past that they probably aren't proud of as well. But I will say this, Eric Bieniemy. I, I would just stay in Kansas City until Andy Reid decides he wants to retire. Because that's why I feel like the best chance of me being a head coach where he's going to be accepted by everyone across the board, I think that's the most logical thing in my eyes right now. But, it, and, I, and it's sad because it shouldn't be like that, Fitz. And it's interesting because you're right. The, the best solution for him is just to stay where he is keep getting raises, become a coach and waiting, and then get that job, presuming that he would get that job. I mean, RG3 tweeted this out, and I think it's it's a pretty interesting reminder to everybody. He tweeted this out about an hour ago. Eric Bieniemy should only leave Kansas City for a head coaching opportunity. Uh, quick yep. side note here. He's mentioning that because the rumors are that he may consider moving somewhere else so that he can get out of Andy Reid's shadow. This is the rest of RG3's tweet that's important. Miss me with that gotta-go-prove-himself narrative. 15 of the last 21 head coaches hired in the last three years were first-time head coaches. Bienemy has proven himself more than every single one of them. That, just by, just by resume, 
just by what's been accomplished is fairly hard to argue. Now, I know a lot of people want to say, but Andy Reid's really doing the play calling, but Andy Reid's really doing all the work. Why, we don't sit there and say that with Shane Steichen coming out from Nick Sirianni. We don't, we don't, like, we're finding a reason to fault Eric Bieniemy, and I don't know what the, the full answer to this is. Like, I don't know if he interviews poorly. I don't know if he rubs people the wrong way. I don't know if people within the league don't love him, or I don't know if it's simply that owners don't want to hire a black guy. Like, I don't know which portion of the answer it is, but these are all questions that we continually ask because when you see somebody with a great resume constantly passed up and you see how many coaches are hired that are unsuccessful you have to ask yourself why the hell would somebody have picked Hackett over him for example why are bad coaches getting jobs and he's not that's a fair question to be asking at this point point. and look I, I want to broaden this a little bit more because I just don't want to focus on Eric being in this situation I also want to throw another guy into the equation Raheem Morris a guy that I know very, very well. Literally was just texting him the other day uh, about a few things, and I'm not going to mention that on air. But of when you talk about a guy who deserves to be a head coach, didn't he just win a Super Bowl with the Rams the year, <laughs> year before last? Right? Here's a guy that I watched in Atlanta move from the defensive side of the ball to become the wide receiver coach and coaching Julio and Calvin Ridley and Muhammad Sanu and all those guys in the same receiver group understands, not that he didn't understand the offensive side of the ball, but has a way better understanding of that side of the ball now because he was over there. So he's coached at a high level defensively. He's coached at a high level, level offensively. Offensively as well. And he just won a Super Bowl. Why hasn't he been hired in this coaching cycle? It's, it's like – we pick and choose when certain head coaches get all the benefit of the doubt. Well, like, we move the goalposts all the time. Right. When I say we, I'm talking about society. Like, we move the goalposts for, to fit our narratives to, to what we want things to be and to justify who we're hiring, why we're hiring them, and the reason, and the reason behind it all. Like, I, I, I can't be anymore. I don't want to walk on eggshells, and I also don't want to offend anybody. But I also have to look at this. Like, I want to believe at the end of the day that my favorite team's owner, and everybody knows I'm a Raiders fan, my favorite team's owner is Mark Davis. But for anybody that's watching football, I want to believe that all of us accept and trust that our favorite team's owner is not simply going to look past somebody because they're a thinly veiled racist. I want to believe that. And I want to believe that the most qualified person is going to get the job all the time. I want to believe that. I want to believe that an owner is never going to look at a guy and say, well, I don't want him because he looks a certain way. I want to believe all of this. Uh, frankly, I want to believe that the most qualified person is going to get the job all the time because at, at some point I want the NFL to be a meritocracy. I want that, Harry. But there is got to be a real conversation about why certain guys aren't getting opportunity. And I don't know the answer to that. We'll never know the answer because we don't get the full context to the interview process. But, man, it's a fair question to ask when you constantly see somebody with this good of a resume not getting consideration. Like, what is happening between the end of the season and the interview process that is that is the roadblock for Eric Bieniemy? No, I, I will say this, and one of the things that – I think that it has been able to hinder this process is the simple fact that, and it's not all owners, I'm just saying, I'm just speaking in general. Owners aren't comfortable with being uncomfortable, right? And when I say that, comfortability drives complacency, right? Comfortability is basically what you're doing to, to be in your, in your own comfort bubble, in your comfort zone. Most of the times, hiring a, 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 a minority um, candidate it's not going to put you in your, in your comfort zone. 
But the day that they understand, and I'm not talking about all of them, but I'm going to say they because owners are owners, right? The day they get comfortable with being uncomfortable, I think more change will be able to happen in this. Like, now, have we had a, a tiny bit of change? Yes, we have. We had a, a, a very minimal amount of change. Is there more to be had? Hell yes, way more than, than, than what we've been able to see because I know a ton of people that are way, way more qualified than I see people getting jobs um, throughout the last, I would say, 10 years. I, I think – He's Harry Douglas. I'm Jason Fitz. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. In a very real, every person conversation, expanding your social circle is different. It's difficult, I should say. Expanding your social circle is difficult to do. So a lot of times, for most of us, you get comfortable with the people that you're around. And one of the things that I think can be really effective about something like the Rooney Rule, I'll go back to when I'm hiring a band. If I'm hiring a bunch of musicians, I'm not sitting there thinking about what they look like. I'm just sitting there thinking, I need a guitar player. Here are the top, my favorite 20 guitar players in my phone book, right? I'm running through them. One of the benefits of the Rooney Rule is it forces you to pause that and say, hey, am I casting the widest net? If I am casting the widest net, do I have a better chance of finding qualified candidates I otherwise may not have been aware of? I think that's fair in every circle, right? I think I think that's that's fair to look at every single circle and say, hey, you got to force yourself to open your eyes to more. But that's happening in the NFL, and we're still seeing qualified people passed over. That's the part that I can't wrap my head around, man. Isn't it isn't it sad that we got to have a, a Rooney Rule though? Yes. Like, is it, isn't it isn't it sad that we even have to have this in place? Which, for furthermore, lets everyone know that there is an issue, there is a problem, because we gotta have something like this that is silly in place. Not only, and I say and I say silly because we shouldn't be having things like this in place. If we, if you're looking to hire the best candidate, regardless of what they're looking like, the, the hardest part for me, man, is, and I've said this a million times, when you go into to audition for an orchestra for the the best orchestra in the world. You you get a number, and you stand behind a curtain, and you play. They don't know how old you are. They don't know what gender you are. They don't know what you look like. They don't know if you're fat or skinny. They don't know if you're white or black. They don't know anything. They just know how you play, and from that, you get a job. And so I, I love this concept in life that I, I realize that is easy for me to say exists as a 45-year-old white dude of a meritocracy. I love the concept that, hey, you're going to go in and you're going to do these great qualified interviews. But to your point, not only was it the Rooney Rule, we've had to evolve the Rooney Rule. We've had to continually add more draft incentive to try and get people into better positions to be hired. Yep. We've had to incentivize the process of elevating minority candidates so they can even be seen and you still have Eric Bieniemy not being seen. That's the part that I just oh I, I, oh. But check this out: not just on the coaching level, at the general manager level as well. When it comes to the front office, th th think about that. It's, we're not. It's not just the coaching level; it's the front office level as well. Because we all know the the more minorities you are able to have in the front office, the more so I think more minority coaches will be able to be hired as well. Yeah, you need. To broaden the social circle across the board. And I, I I don't care. I want my beloved Raiders to win. I don't care what the coach looks like. I don't care what the coach's sexuality is. I don't care what the coach's gender is. I don't care what anybody that works for the Raiders. I don't care where they fall in any one of those categories. I just want to watch my favorite team win. Well, I let's cannot speak about believe. Your team. Let me speak about your team really quick, though. I hate to cut you off, but let me speak about your team really quick. They have an assistant general manager over there named Champ Kelly who needs to be a GM. And not in five years, within the next two years. Because he should be, he should be a, a GM right now, as as is. Also, I want to give a shout out to the to the Tennessee Titans for hiring Rand Carthor. I'm, I'm I'm very very close with Rand. He's a guy who's put the time in, put the work in, and deserves to be a general manager of the Tennessee Titans. It was long overdue, 
but I'm excited that he is now a G- general manager in the National Football League. I will not apologize for the fairness of the conversation of how somebody as qualified as Eric Bieniemy continues to not get jobs. And until we have better understanding of the full con- con- context of that answer, man, we're just going to keep asking these questions. In the meantime, we'll move on to brighter and happier subjects for so many people. Fitz and Harry presented by Progressive Insurance. Looking for a career path with flexibility, great pay, and benefits? Go to Progressive.com slash careers and apply online today. Todd McShay put out his mock draft 2.0. He's going to join us in a little bit, but I have a major issue with one pick in that draft. I will tell you what it is next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app at Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, we're presented by Progressive Insurance. McShay's Mock 2.0 is out on ESPN.com. Go check it out right now. I mean, just while you listen to us, obviously, but, you know, open up the app and uh, check out the the mock draft is out there. And he's going to be on with us in a few minutes. We're going to have him defend some statements that he has made today that have all of ESPN in a massive uproar. But importantly, there is one pick, one pick in this mock draft that absolutely has me going crazy, Harry. And no, for once, it's not the Raiders, although I will have my conversation uh, with McShay when he joins us about his Raiders pick. But at number nine, at number nine in his mock draft, he has the Carolina Panthers drafting Anthony Richardson, the quarterback out of Florida. Now, let me say this. I hope Anthony Richardson becomes absolutely a beast. But you and I have covered a lot of college football, Harry. In my opinion, Anthony Richardson needs the one thing that most organizations don't want to give first-round quarterbacks – time and if he goes to the Panthers at nine they're going to ruin this kid because they're going to put him on the field too soon and he's going to be with an organization that can't seem to accomplish any continuity Anthony Richardson to the Panthers is a disaster waiting to happen now I will say this um Anthony Richardson I do like his game does it need some fine tuning yes it does it does because when I watched him play I said to myself immediately okay he reminds me of Cam Newton but I think he's a little bit more athletic than Cam Newton is and probably a little bit faster as well. He has the arm strength, it's just the accuracy. The accuracy has to be a a a, a tad bit better. But what I'm banking on if if they take him, right? Especially if they want him to play from a jump. The run game and the offensive line are really going to have to be feasible. And when I mean feasible, I'm saying feasible lightly. They have to be outstanding. And that's one of the things we've seen from the Carolina Panthers this year. They rushed the football very effectively. Their offensive line, um, especially as the year got on, started to play a lot better, especially than early on. They were still trying to iron some things out because they really invested into their offensive line last offseason. So I like this spot for Anthony Richardson. I don't know about playing him early because he still has so much to learn about the game of football. Um, at a very, very high level. But I do like this pick in the long run. I think Anthony Richardson in this draft could potentially be the best pro of all of them if the little things are worked on early on in his career. If if you tell me Anthony Richardson doesn't have to see the field for at least a year, I might buy a little of what you're selling. And I think for me, uh, look, and we all know I'm risk-averse at the quarterback position in general – 
Uh, you start to get into the up and down we saw from Anthony Richardson. Everybody remembers the jump pass week one that suddenly made it like, you know, Anthony Richardson's going to be Richardson's going to be a Heisman Trophy finalist. And by the end of the season, nobody was talking about him. It's just wildly inconsistent. I was surprised that he came out, honestly. I thought he might stay at Florida for an extra year just to work on some of those elements in his game. Now, you put him around great coaches, they're going to give him time. One thing that we talk about, the quarterbacks that have had have developed, well, they've been coached with a little bit of patience, right? I think uh, Jalen Hurts was coached with some patience and, and quality coaching with the Eagles. And then you look at, at obviously, uh, Josh Allen. They, said they spent several years slowly working on improving his game. I think Anthony Richardson comes out less of a passer than either of those two quarterbacks day one right away. So he's just going to need time. If they had a veteran there that I trusted, I mean, Sam Darnold uh, would be the closest thing well, if they wanted Sam to. Sam Darnold a free agent? Yeah, so they'd agent. have to re-sign Sam Darnold and pitch Sam Darnold on teaching Anthony Richardson, which is also like, hey, let me teach an athletic superstar when I'm not an athletic. You know, it just doesn't feel like that even makes a lot of sense. So I think that's why I, I hate the pick there. Like, I understand why the Panthers need a quarterback, but man, I would feel so much better if Anthony Richardson went literally anywhere where he would just have time and he would also have continuity. Like, I understand that, for example, the Titans picking at 11. They, you know, they don't necessarily have a quarterback that can mentor uh, at all Anthony Richardson right now. I don't believe in Malik Willis. I know Titans fans are going to at me. I don't believe in Malik Willis. But at least what the Titans do have is continuity in the organization. Like, you know Vrabel is going to get time, and he's going to put together a plan that he trusts, and he's a quality coach. We have no idea what we're going to get year in and year out from the Panthers. So that's part of why it's a disaster waiting to happen. No, I, I will say this, because the Panthers did hi hire uh, Josh McCown, as their quarterbacks coach. And Josh McCown, we talked about last year, a lot of people potentially thinking that he was going to get the Houston Texans uh, job before it was, it was a lot of riffraff about that entire situation. Josh McCown played in the National Football League for a very, very long time. So if you don't have a veteran in that room, you do have a, I won't say a veteran coach, but a guy that played a lot of years in the National Football League that could be that bug in Anthony Richardson's ear the do's and don'ts. Hey, this is what you're supposed to be looking for here. Your check down is right there. Don't be afraid to put money in the bank. Always make those deposits. Josh McCown, I think, can provide that for him. Also, their pass game co uh, coordinator, Parks Frazier, he had an opportunity to become the offensive coordinator when, you know, Frank Wright was, was fired up in um, Indy. Uh, I think there were some growing pains from him, some things that he learned from being in that position I think could benefit moving forward as well. So I, I just think it's all about time, though, when it comes to, when it comes about, comes to Anthony Richardson. And I hope he can make the transition be as smooth as possible. And I hope Josh McCown can really help him out in, in, in that way as well. And, and we know Frank Wright played quarterback. He played the quarterback position, right? So – uh, you can lean on both of those guys. Uh, I mean, maybe. That's given them a lot of benefit of the doubt. I will also say this. I'm equally harsh on Will Levis. Uh, there are some moments of Will Levis that absolutely on tape look incredible, and there's some moments where you look at him throwing into triple coverage against Vandy repeatedly against Missouri. Two bad defenses. Like, tell me he's throwing into triple coverages and making bad reads against Alabama, and I'll say, okay, well, I understand it. I do not understand the games against bad teams where Will Levis did not play well enough. I think both of those guys need time. And, oh, by the way, Will Levis is somebody that McShay has going – to my beloved Raiders. So, again, these picks, if you're telling me that it's going to be Jimmy G holding down the fort for a year while a quarterback develops, I'll have a lot more comfort when I start looking at what to expect. That being said, 
Todd McShay has made all of ESPN, like everybody at ESPN had their shows planned. Everybody knew what they were going to talk about today. And then Todd McShay, McShay made one innocent comment on Get Up that changed every single show all day across all of our networks. He's going to join us. We're going to get McShay to defend his thoughts, and we will break down more from McShay's Mach 2.0. We're going to do that next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio in the ESPN app. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. I'm yelling at myself. It's what I usually do. You guys can tweet us at HDouglas83 at Jason Fitz. That's how you can get in on the fun, or you can call 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Like I said before we went to break, all across the network today, people have made their plans on their shows. I was sitting there eating my eggs, enjoying my morning, watching Get Up, and all of a sudden, Todd McShay said one thing. They made every single show say, stop the presses, wait, what? And then all of a sudden, we all blew the shows up and did everything completely differently. So now... McShay joins us, ESPN NFL Draft Analyst, First Draft Podcast. Of course, you want to check that out. Follow him at McShay13, and be sure to get McShay's Mach 2.0 out on ESPN.com right now. Uh, This was the interest. uh, Let's just start with the obvious here, Todd. You said if you were the Bears that you would trade, uh, you would take Bryce Young instead of Justin Fields. When you said that, did you realize that we were all going to stop the presses and rearrange all of our shows to ask the question of Bryce Young versus Justin Fields? (laughs) No, I didn't. And but honestly, it just it makes financial sense. And I think Bryce Young has a chance to be a better, more complete quarterback. And Justin Fields, like what they've developed in the last two years, especially this year, and, and how how he's come on and, and the way he's running the football. Like I get it, and I don't think the Chicago Bears are going to stay at one and, and take a quarterback. But I I would understand if they did because you're getting three more additional years of a rookie deal, you know, and, and potentially a better quarterback. So, but again, I, in my mock draft, I moved Indianapolis up to one, had Chicago moving back to four, not too far back where they can't get Jalen Carter, the defensive tackle from Georgia, but I would understand it if they, if they just held tight at one and wound up going with Bryce Young. I got to be honest with you though, Todd, my rebuttal to that, right. Is this right Uh here. When you look at Justin Fields and what he's what he was able to do it, it, within his second year, right? But we're going to cross out his first year because it was a whole bunch of nonsense going on. What he was able to do this year, and you look at the lack of offensive line play, you look at the lack of weapons yep. around him, and then you see a Jalen Hurts, you see a, a Josh Allen and how those guys play when they actually did get help around him. I don't think I can make that decision until I know Justin Fields has everything he needs to be a great quarterback and he doesn't be a great – he's not a great quarterback. I don't think I can make that decision right now based on Justin Fields and his surrounding cast. I totally get it, Harry. I really do. And, I, listen, I, you have to be in the building. You have to be around every single day to kind of understand everything that's going on there. But, I, again, I, to me, just on paper, it makes sense financially – but I've developed him, and that's why I think that, that Chicago is going to say, you know what, we, we are in a great spot. We've got Houston at two, Indianapolis sitting at four. We've got potentially Detroit, I don't think so. Maybe Seattle at five and Detroit at six, the Raiders at seven, 
Atlanta at eight, Carolina at nine. Let's make this a bidding war. So I, that's what I think they're going to do, and I, and I completely understand what you're saying. But from a financial standpoint, if you if you feel about Bryce Young the way I do, and I know he's 195 pounds, and, and I, there is concern there, but I think he has a chance to be – Somewhere in the neighborhood, I'm not saying he's going to be Patrick Mahomes, but somewhere in that neighborhood, then I would I would go with that decision. All right. Well, oh, go go ahead, Eric. Yeah, I want to I want to touch on a few other quarterbacks because you do have um, Anthony Richardson going at nine. You have C.J. Stroud going to the Houston Texans. You have Will Levis going to the Las Vegas Raiders. But I want to focus on Anthony Richardson because this is this is unique because we've seen Cam Newton mm-hmm. for so long in a Carolina uniform. Is David Tepper here at this point? And part of the reasons why you had him at nine right there to the Panthers, does he want to see Cam Newton 2.0? I mean, it's all on potential, right? It really is. And Anthony Richardson is the most talented, just physically, the most talented quarterback in this draft. 6'4", 220-plus pounds, rifle for an arm, unbelievable mobility, but he is not there yet. So you, you have to know that your head coach, offensive coordinator, quarterback coach, they're all in lockstep, and they, they believe that they can develop him. And if you don't believe that, then you don't make that decision. And I struggled with it. I'll be honest. I, I mean, Anthony Richardson could go late in the first round. He could go in the second round. But from a talent standpoint, and we're seeing so many more mobile quarterbacks in the league and guys who I – mean, Patrick Mahomes wasn't ready when he came in the league. But he had Alex Smith and he had Andy Reid and he had a year to develop. And so if you can put him in the right spot, I, I'm not saying that uh, – I keep using Patrick Mahomes, but I'm just saying he has the physical tools to be special at the next level, and that's why I think he's going to wind up getting drafted a lot higher than people would think based off of his stats and and what Florida did this past year. We're talking to Todd McShay on Fitz and Harry, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. Uh, Forget professionalism. Now we're just going to go to my beloved Raiders. Todd, you knew this was inevitable. I'm going to be hosting the digital draft show for the sixth straight year this year, and they're going to put a camera right in my face when the Raiders pick seventh overall. (laughs) I have been saying since college football season that Will Levis's turnover problems, especially against bad teams like Vandy and Missouri, are disturbing. So when the camera's in my face, and according to your mock, the Raiders take Will Levis, how do I justify the fact that against bad opponents, he's had some bad games? These are the two, Anthony Richardson and Will Levis, the two most polarizing players in this draft. There's no question about it. Will Levis, outside of Anthony Richardson, has the strongest arm. He's mobile. And if you talk to anyone in the state of Kentucky, I mean, on campus, doesn't matter where, his toughness, his character, his leadership, it's everything that you look for. I struggle with Will Levis because I think inside the pocket, when things aren't going well, his eyes drop and he doesn't quite see everything and doesn't have that, that sixth sense, if you will, like Bryce Young has. And, and Bryce Young makes it look so natural and smooth. That's where it, it's an issue. And, I, and talking to everyone in the league, I, I, in a five-day span, I talked to two general managers in October. One said, I'm worried that he's going to be Carson Wentz because – he plays quarterback like a linebacker. Is he going to stay healthy? Does he see the whole field? And the other GM said five days later, I think this guy could be Josh Allen. So 
It's, he's a tough one. He really is because I, the physical tools are there and all the intangibles are there. But is he, is he going to like, be able to pull it all together? That's the big question I have. Well, there's never a question in the greatness of Todd McShay. Follow him on Twitter, at McShay13. Todd, I pray for your mentees every time you put one of these things out. Like, I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you handle it, but, you know, you always do it. I haven't even looked today. <laughs> boy, that's the best. That's the best. Be sure to check out Todd's work across ESPN all day. And then, of course, the First Draft Podcast, something I've uh, been honored to be a part of a couple of times over the last few years. They do great work. Todd, always appreciate hanging out with you, my friend. Thanks for the insight. And uh, pray for me on, on draft day. That's all I ask. You got it. I appreciate you guys. All right. There's another interesting nugget about these dra- this year's draft that came out in this mock draft that I think stands out and will impact every single one of your teams. We'll tell you what it is next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Absolutely nothing surprising about the fact that Derek Carr was cut by the Las Vegas Raiders yesterday. But now today, if the New York Jets don't send a private plane full from top to bottom with unlimited cash straight to Derek Carr and say, come join us right now and be our quarterback, they will be making the biggest mistake of the offseason. Three hours later. You can't bank your future on the possibility that somebody that's spending four days in darkness is going to decide that he wants to play and then that that team is going to ship that player to you. There's too many variables for the Jets to sit around and wait for Aaron Rodgers, and it's why they need to move right now on Derek Carr. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. He's Harry Douglas. I'm Jason Fitz. And look, if you have the opportunity to put Harry Douglas in at wide receiver or Jason Fitz, you put Harry Douglas in at wide receiver all day. He's a much, much better player, right? But if you if you sit there and say, man, I'm not sure if Harry's going to buy in. I'm not sure if I can get Harry. Now i got to make the decision between Jason Fitz and our producer, Evan, who's like five foot one and, and I don't think can run. I think you're going with me. <laughs> all right? Like, you can't take the chance that Evan ends up as wide receiver one. You can't take the chance if you're the Jets that you're stuck with Zach Wilson. Well, you know what? Also about Evan, you don't pick him either because Evan is not coachable. He was supposed to send us a picture for Dress for Success Wednesday. He has not done that. He's doing things his way. So, yes, you go with the guy that you can trust, who's going to be consistent, who's going to do everything the right way, who's not going to garner the attention. You You hear us, Evan? You know what? I think we should let anybody, like some of our favorite listeners, Melissa, Mach, people on social media that hit us up at hdouglas83 at Jason Fitz. What should the punishment be for uh, Evan uh, for for not partaking in uh, Dress for Success Wednesday? Let's let the listeners decide on it because then he he's got no recourse, right? Like he can't go he can't go to our bosses and say that the listeners were mean. Yeah, so our consistent listeners, and it doesn't have to be consistent. If you're just listening today for the first time, we want you guys to chime in at Jason Fitz on Twitter, at HDouglas83. Tweet both of us on what Evan Wilner's punishment should be for bucking the system. Yeah, I said that correctly. For bucking the system and doing things 
his way. Because I had a coach tell me, you want to do things your way. Let me do my thing, coach. And I went out there and fumbled a doggone punt return. And then he got on me, embarrassed me in the meeting the next, next day in front of everybody. So, Evan, yes, this is your meeting right now in front of the world. You're not going to do it your way. You're going to do it our way, Evan. And you're going to dress up on Wednesdays for Dress for Success, not Tuesdays. Uh, Evan, Evan was not in today. And he came in yesterday in a suit and then just announced when we asked him why he was dressed so sharply that he was dressing for success on Tuesday since he wouldn't be in on Wednesday and didn't want to listen to us yell at him about it. Now, in, in fairness, he was going to the vet. Last time I checked, as somebody that's gone to the vet many times in my life with my dogs, uh, last time I checked, I can get in a suit and take Annabelle to the vet. In fact, anybody that's ever been to my house said, uh, Devin, you saw this the other day. I carry Annabelle around like she's a child. I can do that in a suit. I like my, No suit is, is not worth getting messy for my dog, but I'm still going to wear my suit to the vet if it's dressed for success Wednesday. Like, I mean, that's just, that you ain't going to walk into the vet and have the vet kick you out because you're wearing a suit. So, uh, yeah, you can tweet us and get the punishment. Uh, <laughs> Here's for, the funny thing about all that we just said. The, the funny thing about all, everything that we just mentioned is that, yeah, if you're the New York Jets, you go try to get Derek Carr. You don't sit around and wait for Aaron Rodgers because there are all, there's also a possibility that you might not get him. There's a great possibility that you might not get him. You, Derek Carr, at this point right now, he's still a free agent. The thought that you're sitting there as an organization and saying, wait, 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 guys. Now, here's what we need to do. We've got a quarterback on the open market right now that is clearly the second best quarterback on the open market and good enough to win in our in our organization. But instead of signing him today when we can get ahead of it, why don't we wait and let the guy over here that's eccentric that every year decides whether or not he wants to play football anymore spend his four days in the dark so that when he comes out of four days of complete darkness, he can then inform the world that he wants to play. And if he informs the world that he wants to play, he can then go to his organization and demand a trade. And if they choose to trade him, then we can go in and give the offer that we think is going to be better than anybody's offer. And then they'll have the choice to trade him, but they'll definitely choose us. Like, how many variables can you put into one thing? You're going to bank your Super Bowl hopes next year that a guy's going to come out of four days of darkness with the clarity and an that he still wants to play, that he wants to play for the Jets, and that the Packers are going to make that trade? Like, my God, just go play the scratch-off lottery and de depend on that to pay your mortgage this month. You want, like, you want to know stupid. what that says, though? You want, you want to know what that says? If, if the Jets, as an organization, if they're going to do that, that says, boy, talent rules, man. <laughs> they say talent rules. We'll deal with the baggage. They say we'll deal with everything else. For Aaron Rodgers, they will. Now, I don't know if that's their mindset, but if they do not pursue Derek Carr at the level that I think that they should or that you should, that you think that they should as well, then that's basically what they're telling us. Yeah, I, and they just got to look around and realize that at the end of the day, you know, may, maybe they're sitting at the bar at the end of the night and they don't really want to go home alone, right? But they've got somebody right next to them that's ready to love them. Somebody right next to them that's ready to hold them, squeeze them, call them George. They got somebody right next to them that's ready to to make them the only thing that matters. And instead, they're waiting for the 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 the, the one that on the other side of the bar that's a little crazy that everybody circled around thinking that they're going to you know be what? the one that separates but, in the uh, end. Now nah, they're going home alone. Let's use better terms. Let's use better terms. Listen, they have somebody right there at the bar waiting for them to jump off the ceiling fan mm, but oh, they yeah. don't want to jump off their ceiling fan mm -hmm. they they want to go to the person across from the bar that's not even paying them attention really 
that potentially won't allow them to jump off the ceiling fan. You see, yesterday was Valentine's Day. Got to get a little, yeah, little yeah, freaky get, get a little, the show. Get a little, okay, things things got a little weird. Uh, what that's kind of what, bars that's are not, you guys going to? Well, grown-up bars. All right, this this is like I mean, <laughs> come on, Harry's down in Atlanta. I mean, uh, you, you never know down in Atlanta. You, you can get chicken wings at a bunch of places come in Atlanta. Atlanta. Lose. I mean, come on, Jets. Don't be scared to jump off the ceiling fan. Now, I mean, it, 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 this this is one of those points where you just like put a ring on it and you go ahead and you decide like we're gonna move forward because the nightmare scenario for the Jets is to be playing, you know, ring around the rosy or whatever, like musical chairs, and all of a sudden you realize that, you know, because you really wanted the fluffy recliner, you you end up with your butt on the floor. And that's what Zach Wilson is. They will have wasted. Like, the worst thing you can do when you have young talent all over the place and a good defense and you have everything in place and you know you have one position to address, if you choose not to address it, then you have wasted a year of Super Bowl opportunity. And that's an incredible disrespect to your fans that have waited so long to be here i was born by the river oh i mean change gonna come (laughs) (laughs) had to throw in some sam cook i i love that you went sam cook there i really thought you were gonna work some baby face in there uh since you saw (laughs) baby face live in content last night by the way baby face call the show anytime we love you uh say it back and and anita baker and anita baker uh, yes and anita baker too but like uh, you can't grow up a kid in '90s R&B and not have a, an Anita absolute. Anita Baker and Babyface had me jumping off the ceiling fan. Sorry, honey, I still love you. I mean, Anita Baker, uh, Babyface, and Lemon Pepper Lose. I don't know how it gets any better than that. Babyface gonna join Kenny and Carlin. You don't want to miss it. Thanks for hanging out with us, Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. You've been listening to the Fitz and Harry podcast. You can listen to the guys live weekdays from noon to three Eastern on ESPN Radio, and you can watch on the ESPN app.